0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. It's good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I myself am a little groggy. I'm going to just be up front here this morning. Um, For the first time last night, I realized uh, I am no teenager anymore taken 10 years but I am finally past the threshold of being a teenager because last night I came my wife and I were at a wedding uh, we left about 7 8 o'clock and I said these words that I thought I would never say at 8 10 p.m. man am I tired at 8 10 p.m. when I was 17 years old 8 10 p.m. was when I woke up It felt like now I was just ready to just rip another day. But I've, I, I kind of had this moment last night where I was like, man, I am tired. And uh, ironically enough, it just, I've kind of been in this mindset of remembering my teen years because uh, as I was kind of looking at this message, there was a show that I remember seeing when I was 17 years old that uh, I'm not sure why it was on the air. I'm not sure how it even stayed on the air. Because have you ever like watched TV at like 2 or 3 a.m.? There's nothing good on like like all you have is like these infomercials of they sell just as random things, right? But for whatever reason, there was this show on. I remember when I was seventeen years old, a show called Brain Games. Never heard of Brain Games? Two people, yeah. Why? Because it played at two a.m. in the morning, right? It's not on normal TV, but the show was just fascinating because the whole premise of the show was all about like you know what. There's all these different games and things we play uh, that, like your brain does miraculous and incredible things that no one ever knew. And so, basically, what happened in this particular episode of Brain Games was they were talking about how memory and like how eyewitness testimonies of trials and courts uh, actually no longer work because basically what happened is our brains will fill in details that were never quite there because your brain will just naturally take over, and so. There's these all these articles that came up that basically said we can no longer trust eyewitnesses inherently by themselves because your brain will fail you. And it it just intrigued me because your memory, uh, especially for myself speaking, my memory is terrible. Like I cannot remember anything, but the whole concept of how it works is very, very interesting to me. And this whole idea of remembering and memory is something that comes up time and time again throughout the psalm that we're going to jump into today. So. What we're going to pick up in today is Psalm chapter 77. If you're newer with us uh, or or you haven't been with us much this summer, we've been going through this book of Psalms. We've been taking one Psalm and really unpacking it and seeing what God has to say for us today. And so today, I'm excited to jump into Psalm 77, and it goes like this. A Psalm of Asaph, verse 1. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O oh God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never again or show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? What an encouraging word from our friend Asaph. That was a joke. That was very sarcastic, right? Like That, that, that is not something that, like, if you're trying to have an upbeat monologue or an upbeat song, this is not quite the route you'd want to go What I love about the Psalms so much, the reason I've loved preaching through them this summer, is the Psalms are 100% authentic. They are just real. In the highs, they wrote. In the lows, they wrote. and everything in between, they wrote. It was just almost an unfiltered version of what they were processing and feeling in this relationship with God. And I love that they wrote them down because it's real, right? And what's so cool about this whole concept is that Asaph, if you're not familiar with him, Uh, It's pretty routine because Asaph is not referenced a ton throughout scripture, but we know that in some other places, Asaph was the worship director for King David. He was King David's worship leader. And so here he is, he's writing this one psalm, this one song, if you will, and uh, apparently things are not going super well right? Apparently, like, what he's walking through, what he's feeling is not just the warm fuzzies of everything is going super well. As a matter of fact, he's saying, I cried out to God for help. I sought the Lord, and what happened? I stretched out untiring hands, the symbol of surrender, exhaustion, desperation, whatever have you, and what happened as a result? My soul refused to be comforted, and in verse 4, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. So you have this paradigm of Asaph is going to God, he's, he's seeking God, and in return, he's still just worried, he's anxious. I can't sleep, I can't speak, my whole life is out of commotion, all these things that are going on. And in the first nine verses, you're sitting there going, man, this dude is in it rough. But for whatever reason, this is what I love about how God works and how the Holy Spirit moves, is that I've read this psalm countless of times over my life. But there was just something that kind of was like a beacon for me in it this week as I prepared. And it was, there's one word that appears four times in this entire psalm. If there's anything that we've learned this summer, it's that when God repeats something or when he uses his people to write something in the Bible that's repeated, it's usually really, really important. And so see if you can pick up on this with me in verse 3. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. Verse 6. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. And then he doubles down on this and kind of three verses later says this. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Remember, remember, forgot. Remember, psalms are like poetry. Every single word is intricate, intentional. It's meant to be this thing that kind of really points to something. And so here is this man named Asaph, who is David's worship leader. He knows God. As David's words have said, he's tasted and seen how good the Lord is. He knows him. He serves him. He loves him. All these things are happening Yet we see here in in Psalm 77 that even though you love God, even though you seek God, even though you have all these different things going for you, you still go through these moments where things are just difficult. Isn't that encouraging to know that you can love God and serve God and still have these feelings of, man, God, I feel like I'm seeking you. I feel like I'm, I'm searching out for you, but it's not working. I can't sleep. I can't think. I can't talk. All these things are going on. And he has this this crux in verse 9 saying, God, has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? If I could summarize the first nine verses of Psalm 77, it basically goes like this. Asaph is saying, God, I remember you. Do you? Or have you forgotten that you are God? I remember who you are, God. I remember what you've done. I remember what it feels like to know you and serve you and love you. But have you forgotten to be merciful? Have you forgotten that you alone are God? Now don't raise your hand, don't do anything, but have you ever had had this experience that I call the ASAP experience where it's like you're seeking, you're seeking, you're seeking, you're seeking and it feels like your prayers are hitting the ceiling or it feels like you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and and nothing's changing and so it kind of goes to this moment of, is God even real? Am I doing something wrong? Like, what is going on here? And to go another step further, there's such strong language that he says here in verse 3. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. That's not a good thing. right? That's not one of those moments where you're like, mm, yeah, that sounds encouraging. He's having this moment where he remembers God and he's having this negative emotion that comes with it. And I wrestle with this because I'm like, how in the world does that reconcile? But as I kind of dove into it, have you ever had this moment where maybe you look at like old pictures or old memories or you look back on old relationships and you look back on that time in your life and things were great. Like it was like such a great time of your life. But when you're looking at it in the future or which is now the present and you're like, man, I miss that. Makes you sad, right? Like, I miss when we used to be young, and we used to be able to go and do everything, and now we're in bed by six. Like, we have these moments, right, where we look back on the past, and it's like, that was awesome. I would give anything to go back to that. But then reality sets in, you're like, I can't. This isn't my life now. And it can be discouraging. If I were to just kind of dive into that, to me, that's really what Asaph is going through. Is he's going, I remember what it was like when I sensed God, when I could just feel God, right? I walked around, it's like I prayed for something, and it got answered. I sought God, and I felt God. I felt the security, I felt the warmth. Things were great, and now they're not. So what do you do? I love this psalm because it is so, so real. He keeps saying, I remembered, I remembered, but have you forgotten? And this whole idea of memory is so interesting to me. Uh, As I kind of mulled through brain games and and this whole idea of memory kind of got brought up this week, uh, I decided to do a little bit of uh, science divulging. Uh, For those who have been here before, you know I love science. I love to stretch my brain. And so uh, I looked up just memory this week, and I'm going to kind of just drop some crazy numbers for you today. According to a Harvard article, your brain has 100 billion different nerve cells. Pastor Riley has like $110 billion. He's a genius. You have a lot of brain cells, okay? Now, here's what gets crazier. I told this fact to Bethany on, on Tuesday, and she's like, whoa, why are you telling me this, right? But each of these brain cells will connect with another brain cell, and each brain cell has the ability to have 10,000 unique connections with each other. So all 100. Billion of your brain nerve cells can have connections with 10,000 other brain cells. That's a lot, in case you were wondering. On top of that, according to psychology today, your brain will prioritize things that are first and things that are recent. So you remember things that are first, that are significant in your life. For those who are married, maybe you remember the first time you met your spouse. It was amazing. It was love at first sight. And Liam Hemsworth is over there in the corner crying because no, no Liam Hemsworth, okay. But married people, you have this thing where you like you, you see your spouse for the first time and it was like, okay, I, I I remember this forever. Or parents, when you have that first baby and you hold them in your arms, odds are you remember what you felt like, what you experienced, all these different things. For me, I remember my firstborn who was right there and is now getting carried away, all these different things, right? I remember holding Ellis. I remember what I was wearing. I remember what hat I had on. I remember what my wife was doing when I got put, when she put him in my arms. You remember these things that are first in your life forever. That's what your brain's wired to do is to remember the first, the first job, the first time you drove a car by yourself, the first time you did all these things, they're just locked into your brain forever. But to make room... Your brain's not like an endless thumb drive. Where you can hold everything. Your brain also prioritizes things that are recent. And so uh, I couldn't believe I was doing this in my sermon, but I'm doing it. I'm going to play a little bit of a game with you this morning. And uh, do we have any? Thank you. Okay. It got competitive first service. All right. A brawl almost broke out. And so we're going to try to contain our excitement here. But I, I also want some engagement here. Okay. I want us to get excited because this game is fun. So what we're going to do is I'm going to put a picture on the screen about seven seconds. Then I'm going to ask you a question relative to that picture, and I want you to yell out your answer, okay? Everybody with me? Perfect, okay. So picture number one, put it on the screen, memorize it. Okay, Gav? How many pillows were on that scene? Okay, hold up fingers. If you got four fingers, five fingers, if you you lost a finger, you can put up two hands if you need to, whatever you got to do. I see a lot of fours, a lot of fours. Let's see some fives though. All right, the answer is 4. Who got it right? Who got it right? Okay, well done. One for one. Picture number 2. Here we go. This seriously looks so terrible to me. I'm just sorry. Right, I don't like fruit. Okay. How what was the fruit situation like on the table? Do we have 3 strawberries or 5 blackberries? Again, Three or five? Wow, we're, we're we're a split group here. We need we need Riley to like do some like Jeopardy music. Here we go. The answer: three strawberries. Riley, are you two for two? <laughs> and yes, he was here for service. Here we go. Number three. That's a bad day for somebody's computer. Okay? The cup of water on the picture. Was it half empty or more than half full? Point either this way or this way. There's a lot going this way. The answer is more than half full. Attaboy, Riley. Well done. And one more picture for you this morning. Okay. Different picture, Gavin. What time is it? 10, Wow. See, you guys are just, you're good at this game now. You're good at this game. The answer is 10-12, but can I tell you, I tried to make it easy on you because I'm merciful. Do you know what the actual question of this, of this one was? What year is it? How do you know that? I had no clue, and I made the game. So I was like, how in the world do they come in 2018? But if you go back to the picture, the little calendar there says 2018. How in the world are you supposed to do that? Now, if you're like, what in the world has this to do with anything? I got, I got, uh, let me bring it all back into circle here, okay? I have one more question for you. What color was the couch on the first picture? I heard gray, white, beige, orange. <laughs> Gavin, please show us our first picture. Brown. That's brown. That's brown. It's a grayish brown. It's somewhere in there. We have, we have the whole dress debacle of 2019. Here's my point. The reason that the Brain Games episode went down this track. The reason that a lot of reputable trials will rule out single eyewitness accounts is because your memory will naturally fill in details that it can't recollect right away. It will naturally fill in details of, I think that couch was beige, Um, and it kind of is, but you kind of filled that in because your brain is, is moving so fast and it has to make room for recent discoveries. The reason I bring up all this science nerdiness is your brain is amazing. And while we tend to think that spirituality is its own thing, your overall life, physical, emotional, spiritual, it all comes together in this idea of what your faith development looks like. When I look at the story of Asaph and I look at this this debacle he's in, I look at a man who's having this crisis in his life right now because what's recent For him, what's going on right here and right now, what's relevant and recent is hardship. I don't know what it is. Scholars don't either. But from all account, for whatever reason, he is wrestling with something that's keeping him awake at night, that's not giving him any comfort at all, and he can't even talk because he's so overwhelmed. That's recent. If I could take a liberty... I have to imagine he's looking back on the past, and he's saying, I remembered you, O God, and I groaned because my reality is not in line with what I felt God from before. In verse 6, I remembered my songs in the night. The songs I used to sing as a worship leader. The songs I used to clap my hands and get excited for. The songs I used to sing out of the joy and depths of my heart. I look at those songs now. I remember those songs. And what my heart mused and my spirit inquired, will the Lord reject forever? I remembered what it was like when I sang songs and it was good and it was easy. Now it's not easy. Will the Lord be like this forever? Will he withhold his love forever? When I look at the story of Asaph, I look at a man who has a really good memory of the past, but a memory that failed him. Here's why. Because if you are only looking for God in the answer of your prayers, you'll miss his character altogether. If you are only looking for God in this tiny little box of God, I need you to answer this prayer right here, right now. If you're only looking for that and he doesn't answer it that way, you're going to miss his character. And that's difficult because I know there are moments in our life in which that moment, that prayer, that need is very, very real. It's very, very intense. You do desire it and need it in a very big way. But the thing is, is God's character is bigger than your needs. Who God is is bigger than what we think we need from him right here and right now. Because if there's anything I've learned over the last four years of being a dad and going through the motions through this, it's that sometimes as a parent you see the bigger picture than your kids do. You would think when I withheld Oreos from my son that the whole world was coming down. Right? Because he wanted that more than anything. He couldn't get off it yet. At the same time, I knew that was going to give him a stomachache later down the road. Or in the same way, watching him jump or my daughter jump and jump and jump and jump and jump on the couch after I've told her, don't, 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 don't jump on the couch. She didn't listen until she fell off the couch and started screaming bloody murder because she hurt herself. What do you think was better, right, than me telling her not to or the fact that she had to go through it herself? It's the second one. That's the better answer, right? Right. The same thing is real in our faith. Sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, how he's moving, how he's working, but it doesn't mean he's not. Just because God's not answering the prayer that you desire in this moment, in this way, in this time, does not mean that God has forsaken you. It does not mean that he's not near you. He's not for you. He's not in love with you. It just means he's got a bigger picture in mind. And to be very real and honest, there are things that happen in your life that probably aren't even God's will. Because we live in a broken world. So many times we've put blame upon God that was never meant to be on him. And so we sit here and we go, just like Asaph, God, I remember when it used to be great, when I went to church and it was easy and it was great. Where in the world are you? But here's where everything flips. If you look in the Bible, there's this little... This little word underneath verse 9 that it says Selah, which is like a refrain or like a pause. And look how his tune changes between verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all of your mighty deeds, your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples with your mighty arm. You redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Asaph remembered a God that felt really near and dear to him, which is why he was struggling so much. He remembered that. But did you notice the change in the tents? Of verse 10, I will remember. I will remember your faithfulness. I will meditate on all your works and consider your mighty deeds. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God. Oh, this is an authentic psalm. You can literally see the wheels turning in ASAP as we read through his story. He's sitting here going, saying, I, I know I remember this way, and I'm struggling. And God, have you, are you going to be like this forever? Are you going to withhold your love here forever? God, what is going on? And then there's a pause, and he goes, but to this, I guess I'll appeal. The times in which God came through. I will remember what you did. I will meditate on all the goodness that you have always done. I will. He's changing the way he's approaching this. It's the same situation, the same thing, but he's approaching it differently. From a place of frustration and defeat to a place of hope and possibility. Externally, nothing's changing. But internally, everything is changing. Romans chapter 12 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The transforming of your mind. Paul looked at that and he goes, there's a different way to think. There's a different way to look at how this is done. There's a different thing that is happening because of what Jesus did. And when we look at this, it's so easy for us to get out of our own heads. It's incredibly difficult your brain is incredibly powerful. Really, really powerful. But the problem with memory is it's really easy to forget things that happened from the past because it's making room for the recent. It's easy to forget that God is for you. It's easy to forget that he sees you. And not just he sees you, but he cares for you. It's easy to forget that God looks on you with compassion. That word compassion in the Hebrew is a very, very strong word. It's a paternal strong love. The kind of a love that when you hold that baby in your arms for the first time, you don't know them. They're not giving you anything. But for whatever reason, there is an overwhelming flood of love and compassion you have for this little creature from the moment it comes out of the womb. That kind of compassion, that kind of love is the small snippet of the kind of love and compassion that God sees for you and me. It's easy to forget though. And it's easy to forget that you're not just one of 7.2 billion people on this planet, but you are a person that God has called. You are a person that God sees. You are a person that God knows every thought, every hair on your head. He knows you more than you know yourself. It's easy to forget In lieu of all the recent chaos. But this morning, I believe God's asking me, he's asking you, he's asking our church, he's asking us, do you remember who I am? Will you choose to remember what I can do? Will you choose to remember who I am? Because here's the thing, again, if you're only looking for God in the sense of what he can do for you, you're gonna miss him because his character is so much richer than what he does for us. A prayer of mine that I've had for the last few weeks is, God, let me see your face, not your hand. Not in the sense of something weird, but God, I want to look for you moving more than I just want something from you. You're not a genie. You're not a vending machine. You love to answer prayers. You love to be there for us, but you are looking for a genuine, legitimate relationship with us. And this this week, as I prayed, as I rightly said, as we look forward to a fall, we cannot help but realize that I think there's going to be some really cool things coming in this next year in our town, in our community, in our state. I believe God's continuing to do a new work inside of us, inside of our community. I believe there are people who desperately need the hope of Jesus. They're going to find it this year. And so as we continue to dream big, as we talked about week two, as we talk about all these big things coming, it's so important for us to remember who God is. Because if you don't, when push comes to shove and opposition comes, we fold. We get crushed like a pop can if we don't choose to remember who God is. so My challenge for us this morning is will you choose to remember? It's hard to do, but thankfully, thanks to what the Scripture offers us, it gives us a blueprint because look at how the similarities fall into alignment here. Verse 13 of Psalm 77 says this. We read this a little bit earlier. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? But look at how David kind of phrases it. It It's such a profound thing that he does in a very similar notion. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Things in your life will try and bring you opposition. But there is no God like our God, a God who is faithful and true. As I read this, there's one more verse within that text that just absolutely wrecked me when I read it a week ago. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I'm going to have Riley bring me a chair here. Uh, If you don't know anything about Riley and his role, this dude is an absolute chair genius. Uh, In all seriousness, here's what's super cool. I'm going to break on Riley for a second as you go back down because I feel bad for calling you out that you got two out of four wrong. Riley truly cares about the comfortability of our students and making sure they feel loved and known every single week and so to kind of fit in with the atmosphere of what happens around here every single week Bradley comes in here and moves all these chairs off to the side to make the room feel smaller and more intimate for his youth group every week he's jacked removing all those chairs all the time the reason i didn't grab me a chair is because I spend a lot of time in this building, a lot of time in this room over the week, every single Sunday. And I've got to tell you, everybody, when I walk into that door and I come and try to find my spot, there's a lot that goes through my head. Where am I going to sit? Uh, What's this going to look like? But one thing that never, ever goes through my mind is as a smaller dude, when I walk up here, there is never a doubt in my mind that when I sit down on this chair, that it's going to hold me up. There's never a thought in my head that goes, "I hope this chair will hold me up." Not one. Like there's a bunch of other things going on, but just subconsciously, I don't even give it a literal thought. All I do is I find the chair I sit down and I want to sit down in, and I sit down without a second regret, without a second idea. I just sit down because I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that thing will hold me up. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. I put so much faith in a chair that it's going to hold me up. That's so much faith that I don't even think about the possibility that it's not going to hold me up. So why in the world is it that I question the recent bias of what's going on. God, are you going to come through again? God, are you going to answer this prayer again? God, how are you going to work this one out? I have all these doubts, and all these questions of God, are you going to hold me up this time? The God of the universe, the God who created everything we see, the God who through from generation to generation to generation for millennia has been Faithful and has been true and has held us up. Why is it that it's so difficult for us to rely on the faithfulness of God? your brain's working overtime. It's aware of all the stimuli and all the different things around you that could potentially put you in danger but I believe the Lord is calling us to rely on his faithfulness to position ourselves in a way saying God I remember your faithfulness. I remember what you've done and I'm going to take what I know from the past and bring it to the present and push it to the future because guess what the Bible says the character of God was the same yesterday today and forever which means the God who was there for you in the the past, the God who was faithful in the past is the same God who will be faithful to you in the present and in the future. And it's our job to rely on that. I don't know about you, but that gives me a whole new hope that I didn't even know I needed. I love what Hebrews chapter 12 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here comes the best part, the antidote for everybody in this room. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, or as one translation says, the author of our faith, the one who started the first that your brain goes back to. Fix your eyes on him. But also know that Jesus is the perfecter of your faith. Or, as the other translation says, the finisher of your faith. God birthed inside of you a desire to know Him. He birthed inside of you this, this burning in your soul to know Him. He started that. He did. But the best part is, He didn't just start it and say, Good luck. He started a faith inside of you that he is going to see you through. And you might walk through some trials. You might walk through some valleys. You might walk through a lot of them and then it'd be really, really difficult. But he is the perfecter of your faith. He is the finisher because he's gonna see that thing through. And in the process, you might feel lonely. You might feel isolated. But the reality is we can rely on this faithfulness because it will never, ever stop. Yes, I just jumped on stage. (laughs) I can't wait to watch that one back on YouTube. (laughs) See my point, though? He's unshaking. It doesn't matter how intense and how heavy it is. It's real. I'm not saying it's not. My point is, no matter what struggle, No matter what difficulty, no matter what question comes your way, you can be real. Asaph had this moment with God where he said, God, are you going to reject us forever? But he switched. Mid-Song. And I can only imagine it's because he had this awareness, this Holy Spirit prompting that, I was faithful. Remember, I will remember. Church, as we go forward in our own personal walk, as we go forward as a church, as we step foot forward into what I believe God is calling us to do. There's going to be big things. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be the things, but I believe the Lord is calling us before we step foot forward from this place today is choose to remember me. Remember who I am. Not just what I can do, not just my power, but remember who I am. A God that sees you, a God that loves you, a God that has compassion for you and live in that. As you go forward from this place today, I have some homework for you. In the next 24 hours, next 48 hours, whatever works for you, especially if you're in a season right now where you feel like the world's against you. Take a moment and write it down or just think about it internally, but I want you to take some time and dwell on when has God been faithful to you? When have you sensed the faithfulness of God. Because I did that this week on Tuesday evening. I felt like ASAP because I was up at night because I couldn't sleep because I was just mulling over this one thing and I couldn't sleep. And that's when this verse came to me, rely on your faithfulness. And so I started to write, I started to dwell, I started to think and I ran out of paper. You start to see all the times in which God was faithful, big and small they were sick now they're healed we were broke but it came in the car broke down but it got worked out you start looking at all the ways in which God has been faithful to you and it breaks you and even when the externals do not happen there's been so many times when even though everything around me was going bad in the middle of it I could sit down and I found peace and joy and hope he's faithful there this week I want you to sit in the faithfulness of God write it down dwell on it change your perspective I remember oh God I groan I will remember I will meditate I will remember who you are and I will rely on your faithfulness Would you pray with me this afternoon? Jesus, as Riley mentioned so, so divinely, I believe there are people in this room right now, God, who feel stuck. Stuck in their faith. Stuck in their situation. I'm not even just talking to the people who are new to faith. I'm talking to the Asaphs the worship leaders, the leaders, the small group leaders, the people who have been loving God for 15, 20 years. God, for those who are stuck in this room, I just pray, God, that they would sense your faithfulness this week. God, that they would walk out of this place not feeling torn down by their circumstances or betrayed by their emotions, but they would feel the hope of Jesus Christ well up with inside of them, Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would be there for them. And God, for those who are stuck in some circumstances, loss, difficulty, financial hardship, uncertainty, diagnosis, whatever it is, God, I pray that for those who are stuck. I pray, God, that they would know they have the liberty to be raw and authentic with you. That they can come to you broken and you hold them and you secure them. God, I pray that you would comfort them in a way that only you can comfort them this week. And God, I even pray for breakthrough in this situation. I pray that chains are broken. I pray that things that have been holding them back would be smashed in Jesus' name. And I pray that when they walk up from this place, even if nothing changes in the moment, they'd be looking for you to move they'll know that they're not alone, that they're not struck down. They are victorious in your name, God. Jesus, do a fresh work inside of all of us. We rely on your faithfulness today as we go from this place. May we cling to that in the good, the bad, and everything in between. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said. Let me give it up for the Lord this morning. This has been a podcast of the Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.